Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 172 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Monday, June 13th, 2022. Today's question, do the Republican establishment folks hate their base voters, you and me? I believe the answer is a resounding yes. Details coming up. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, so what has been going on over the weekend? Well, key senators announced a deal Sunday morning on new gun legislation after negotiations led by Senator Chris Murphy of New Jersey and Rhino Senator John Cornyn of Texas. The deal would include red flag laws, which, of course, is a way to completely eviscerate your Second Amendment rights, enhanced background checks for 18 to 21-year-olds, Somehow or another, they're going to clarify the definition of federal firearms license dealers. I don't know what that means. More money for mental health. Oh, good. The mental health professionals who think a boy can become a girl and vice versa. Yeah, we're going to give them more money. And school safety money, whatever that means. Okay, now. The great Columbia Bugle over at Twitter says, no surprise, Lindsey Graham is planning on betraying his voters yet again. See, there are 10 Republicans in the U.S. Senate supporting the gun deal. That plus the 50 Democrat senators gets you to 60, so there can't be a filibuster on this. Got it? Now, There's a very popular meme out there on social media, Twitter, and I'm sure Facebook, with the pictures of the 10 Republican traitors. John Cornyn, Texas, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, Roy Blunt, Missouri, Richard Burr, North Carolina, Bill Cassidy, Louisiana, Susan Collins, Maine, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, Rob Portman, Ohio, Mitt Romney, Utah, and Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania. And this very popular meme out there on social media says, This November, vote these traitors out! Okay, well, 
there's one problem with that. Rob Portman, Ohio, is retiring this November. Roy Blunt, Missouri, is retiring this November. Richard Burr, North Carolina, is retiring this November. Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, is retiring this November. Uh, Mitt Romney's not up for re-election until 2024. And all the rest, Lindsey Graham, John Cornyn, Susan Collins, Tom Tillis, and Bill Cassidy are not up for re-election until 2026. But it's a fun-sounding meme. This November, vote these traitors out. And it has many retweets and many likes, thousands because nobody understands how things work. You can't vote a traitor out who's not a free election. You can't vote a traitor out who's retiring. You can't vote a traitor out who's not up for re-election for another four to six years. But people saw it and they're like, yeah! I'm sorry. Um, the facts matter. And facts don't care about our feelings. No, I agree that all 10 of these Republican senators and all 50 Democrat senators, if indeed all 50 of them go with this, are traitors for trying to sell out our Second Amendment rights. Because that's what red flag laws do. But it doesn't do any good telling people to vote somebody out this November who's not up for election this November. And that just... That upsets me. You know? Ready, fire, aim, shoot. It's ridiculous. So many people are like, yeah, vote them out this November. It's ridiculous. Now, here's the thing. Do you think that it's merely a coincidence that the 10 Republicans who are going along with this are either retiring or not coming up for re-election for years? You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. By the way, yeah, Lindsey Graham planning on betraying his voters again. Think there's any possibility... uh, Sean Hannity, whose show he's been on hundreds of times. Now, Sean, just wait and see. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Okay, okay, Lizzie. Uh, Look, let me ask you about this. Think there's any possibility that uh, Sean Hannity would have Lindsey Graham on his program? And... uh, Finally, for once in his life, hold him accountable? No. No, 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 no. That's never going to happen. 
That's never going to happen. You know, I'm, uh, so anyway, obviously, your minority leader, Mitch McConnell, knew how many votes he needed to get the red flag laws passed, and he picked the ones he picked. I mean, Tom Cotton has said before that he doesn't have a problem with uh, red flag laws done at the state level, and John Cornyn is pushing back at conservatives upset with him for rallying this thing. He's like, hey, 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 hey. We're not going to pass federal red flag laws. We're going to give money to the states, so if they want to pass their own red flag laws, then we'll fund it federally, as if there's some kind of difference. But U.S. Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas has said he doesn't have a problem with the the states passing red flag laws. And you thought he was a conservative, didn't you? You thought Tom Cotton was pro-Second Amendment, didn't you? Now, he's not in this list of 10, but he usually could be because he said he doesn't have a problem with it. Of course, he doesn't run for election until 2026 anyway. Now, I'm intrigued with the comments of recovering journalist Oren McIntyre over there on Twitter who said, if they pass red flag laws, any disagreement with the ruling ideology will be a red flag. They rule through manipulation of procedural outcomes, set up what sounds like a rational and neutral process, and then define the terms in your favor, staff each position with people who will decide in your favor at every step. Look, I think the overwhelming majority of people listening to this podcast, and that would include me, are huge fans of a lot of stuff that Donald Trump did. Huge fans of a lot of things he got accomplished, but even Donald Trump was pro-red flag law. He said, let's take the guns first and then do the due process in court, and that's exactly what this deal would be. The great Julie Kelly reminds us, Americans charged, not convicted, just charged, with petty offenses related to January 6th are on terrorist watch lists at the TSA and must undergo invasive, extensive searches numerous times. Any Republican who thinks this regime won't do the same thing under red flag laws is an idiot, or or is John Cornyn. So they hate you. They hate you and they hate me. Again, let me repeat. The 10 Republicans supporting the gun deal in the Senate, John Cornyn, Texas, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, Roy Blunt, Missouri, Richard Burr, North Carolina, Bill Cassidy, Louisiana, Susan Collins, Maine, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, Rob Portman, Ohio, Mitt Romney, Utah, and Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania. That makes it immune to filibuster because you add the 10 Republicans to 50 Democrats and you got 60 votes. So nobody can filibuster it. Now, 
Again, retiring this year, Roy Blunt, Rob Portman, Richard Burr, Pat Toomey, all the rest are not up until re-election until 2026, except for Mitt Romney, who's up for re-election 2024. Everybody says he's toast. I doubt it. I doubt it. Mitt Romney is probably the most famous Mormon in the United States of America, and I believe enough Mormons will vote to keep him Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in 2024, and then, of course, he gets reelected. I mean, it is what it is. Have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? Quoting the Apostle Paul from Galatians. So, the great Sean Davis over the Federalist says, pretty obvious that Mitch McConnell whipped the vote so Alaskan Senator Lisa Murkowski wouldn't have to vote for it. Why? Well, she's actually getting primaried by an actual Republican this year. This is eerily similar to John McCain siding with the Democrats on Obamacare to save the rhinos who wanted to keep Obamacare but didn't want to face the voters. Right? Of course. The great um, great Mike Partika over Twitter says concerned Americans like to propose gun control measures that sound sensible, but even these, when bumped up against facts and an expanded cost-benefit analysis, might not be so sensible after all. He says, I like how the new gun control bill expands mental health services and then enacts red, red flag laws so that people who want to buy guns someday or keep their existing guns, won't access mental health services for fear of losing their rights to guns. Great plan, Senate. What they won't tell you about the new red flag law is that it makes wanting to buy a gun a red flag. As part of the new red flag laws, you'll be asked if you watched the January 6th hearings and believed what you were told. I'm sorry, sir, our red flag database shows you as seeing nothing wrong with Trump's call to the Georgia Secretary of State. I mean, they could ask you all kinds of things. Have you watched Matt Walsh's What is a Woman movie? Have you been recorded saying, let's go, Brandon? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So John Cornyn, senator from Texas, who put this group of 10 Republican senators together to take away your Second Amendment rights, points out that they're not trying to um, pass a federal red flag law. Just to be clear, the proposal provides federal funding for states to enact their own red flag laws, but doesn't enact any federal Red flag law. So Cornyn points that out. Again, the great Sean Davis over the Federalist says, oh, you're not supporting red flag laws. You're just spending millions and millions of dollars of our money to support and enact red flag laws. Embarrassing attempt at spend here. 
One of the commenters says, this is Dan Crenshaw-level spin. Dan Crenshaw, socialist, who was uh, masquerading as a Republican in the U.S. House from, from Texas. Now, in the meantime, what's going on? Well, journalist Tom Elliott who found a Gravian, he's got it. U.S. annualized inflation just peaked 17% for the first time since World War II, the highest rate in 75 years. The media are misreporting the real data, and he explains why. Inflation is properly defined as an expansion of the money supply. However, in the 20th century, the federal government began a series of steps to expand the money supply to facilitate more expansive federal spending. Removing the gold standard, removing the gold peg, suppressing interest rates as stimulus, printing money directly into the treasury, etc. All of these are inflationary and prices rose far more in the 20th century versus the largely deflationary 19th century. To cover their tracks, the Fed changed his definition of inflation from meaning and expansion in the money supply to mean rising prices. Again, previously the terms were basically synonymous as an expanding money supply always means higher prices. The Consumer Price Index, as originally conceived, was intended to track the cost of maintaining a constant standard of living. In 1980, the Fed altered its tool for calculating inflation such that it was no longer measuring a constant basket of goods, but rather a quasi-substitution-based basket of goods. Now, via what they call hedonics, the Fed would, for example, use technical improvements to offset rising prices. In other words, if a computer is 25% faster than the year prior, but the price remained the same, the Fed claimed a 25% price drop in generalized computing power, which enabled them to suppress headline consumer price index numbers on net. In 1990, the Fed again evolved the consumer price index so that these tricks for downplaying official inflation were exacerbated. Unfortunately, the major media reports whatever Washington feeds them as if this shape-shifting measuring stick is actually useful to consumers. Thankfully, consistent data is available via shadow stats, where economist John Williams updates inflation data using the Fed's original calculator of the consumer price index. Most of the data is behind a paywall, but you can still see how the official Fed data is now slightly less than half of what it would be if it were still using the CPI tool used up until 1980. The first percentages are the official CPI numbers. The percentages on the right are inflation using the original measuring stick. As you can see, this year the inflation numbers are slightly more than two times the official numbers. At the beginning of the data set, you can see how these percentages match. Well, I apologize. I'm not able to show you that on audio. But Shadow Stats hasn't updated for May yet, but if current trends hold, and probably they will only worsen. May's annualized inflation rate will be just north of 17%. As a reminder, the worst of Jimmy Carter's stagflation era topped out at 
This year, we'll soon see Americans losing 20% of the value of their paycheck through inflation alone. That's a horrible shock to Main Street. And unfortunately, there's no reason for optimism. The Fed continues suppression interest rates and was still printing money last month. The crisis will only abate once Congress drastically slashes spending. Yeah, like that's ever going to happen. And the Fed jacks up interest rates to unforeseen levels, the effects of which will be a huge recession. The Biden administration doesn't want a recession on their watch, so will likely try papering over the crisis with more handouts, which as we all now only which as we all now only make which as we all know, pardon me, typo, only makes things worse while pushing off the actual reckoning further into the future. The worst part about this? Inflation always punishes the poor folks the hardest. So what happens when you combine the social decay we've witnessed over these last several years of skyrocketing inflation, supply chain breakdowns, food shortages, and collapsing institutions? We'll soon see. Oh, he, he, he posts three more charts that he forgot. Inflation during the Carter stagflation crisis, inflation in the 20th century, deflation in the 19th century when we were on a gold standard in that era, technological advancement actually meant a lower cost of living. Postscript, you can verify yourself how severely the Fed under-reports inflation by creating your own basket of goods and checking the price change over the last year. For example, this data versus, pardon me, this data comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics at the government. A pound of bacon, May 2021, uh, $4.10. May 2022, $4.79. Increase 17%. A pound of uncooked long grain rice, May 2021, 80 cents. May 2022, 91 cents. Increase 13.5%. This is confusing. He has another deal on on bacon. I I think he, I don't know. A pound chicken breast. May 2021, $3.37. May 2022, $4.31. Increase 28%. A dozen grade A eggs, May 2021. $1.63, $1.63, May 2022, 286, increase 76%. A gallon of whole milk, May 2021, 350, May 2022, 420, increase 20%. A pound of oranges, navel, May 2021, $1.32, May 2022, $1.55, increase 20%. And it goes on and on and on. Things like propane, coffee, gas at the pump, potatoes. But he says, overall, the average inflation we're seeing with a basket of goods that he just put together randomly comes out to almost 31% year to year. Of course, these should be weighted to reflect the average consumer monthly budget allocation, but the point holds. The federal government is dramatically and intentionally under-reporting inflation. Just so you know, 
Just so you know, journalist Glenn Greenwald responding to this says, put the heroic and iconic Liz Cheney on the TV more to talk about a three-hour riot that happened 18 months ago, which resulted in the deaths of four Trump supporters, nobody else, and everyone will forget about this misery, the inflationary misery in their lives. He said even CNN, despite their best efforts at heralding the success of the January 6th hearing, can only muster the word respectable for its audience size, given that it barely attracted half the audience that watched Biden's sleepy State of the Union address. Meanwhile, there's a group of DNC freaks who obsessively monitor Glenn Greenwald's Twitter activity. And if he didn't post for a day or two due to travel, family, health, whatever, concoct some theory that he's hiding from whatever huge liberal scandal nobody cares about on January 6th. Speaking of Liz Cheney, new photos of the inhumane torture at Gitmo her dad ordered. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, I keep forgetting Greenwald is actually a lib. He agrees with us on some things, but he's actually a lib. There's no torture at Gitmo. Uh, the Gitmo guys are getting obese because they're being fed so well. Anyway, the great Julie Kelly says, four lame ducks setting up post-Senate gigs, six frauds who voted to send tens of billions in U.S. dollars and unaccountable U.S. weaponry to Ukraine while slowly stripping Americans of their Second Amendment rights at a time our government has turned against its own people. The Senate Republican Caucus is a disgrace. All of them. All of them. Um, you know who Lisa Monaco is? Lisa Monaco is number two. Lisa Monaco is number two. At the U.S. Department of Justice. Okay? By all accounts, she's running the show because Merrick Garland is pretty up there in age and has no idea what's going on. And guess how many senators voted against her nomination to be number two at the Justice Department? Just two. Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, that's it. That's it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's outrageous. Okay. Um, a lot of audio coming up. A lot of audio coming up. But, first of all, I just want to tell you guys how thankful we are for our advertisers who make us able to do what we do. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. 
That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions... You need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button. You book a free consultation with my friend, Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood... He focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 
501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. And once again, thank you so much to our advertisers, Jonathan Presswood and Edward Jones. Also, Art Wilborn at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com and our buddy Mitch Ward at RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate you guys for making it possible for us to do what we do. Can't thank you enough for that. All right, now, how the Sunday shows cover the attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. ABC's This Week did not mention it. NBC's Meet the Press did not mention it. CBS's Face the Nation did not mention it. CNN's State of the Union did not mention it. Fox News Sunday did actually cover it. Just so you know. But now look. This is the same Fox News that today, Monday, June 13th, 2022, had Martha McCallum, Bill Hemmer, Dana Perino on getting ready for another show trial from the January 6th committee, who all agreed that Trump lost, that Biden won, who all agreed that judges actually heard cases in which Trump and his allies sued over it, even though they didn't hear the cases, there were no evidentiary hearings. People and entities were rejected left and right on standing issues. And then, former Obamaite Marie Harf was welcomed on the program, She said that Trump encouraged violence January 6th, and not one of them, Dana Perino, Bill Hemmer, Martha McCallum, not one of them pushed back on that. Even though earlier, earlier, one of them had mentioned one of the complaints from Republicans about the January 6th commission is they edited out the part where Trump said, protest peacefully. How about that? The great Jamie Chandler Franklin over on Twitter, founder of the conservateur.com, says, pretty ironic to watch January 6th committee members Benny Thompson and Jamie Raskin lecture us about democracy when Benny Thompson personally tried to stop George W. Bush's electoral college vote counting on January 6th, 2005, and Jamie Raskin did the same thing to Trump. On January 6, 2017. Yeah, that's uh, that's really something, isn't it? One of those things that uh, that makes you say, hmm, yeah, here's Raskin challenging Trump electors January 2017. What purpose is memorized? Uh, I haven't... Now... 
This is Biden first talking because the vice president gets to count the electors. January 2017. What purpose is member uh, I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified because they violated Florida's prohibition against dual office holding. The debate is out of order. Section 15 and 17 of the Title III of the United States Code require that any objection be presented in writing, signed by both members of the House of Representatives, both a member of the House of Representatives and a senator. Is the objection in writing and signed not only by the member of the House of Representatives, but also by a senator? It is in writing, Mr. President. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Sounds like insurrection, right? I mean, that's uh, that's the standard these days, right? And this same guy Raskin is on this January 6th fraud commission for Pelosi. The same guy who challenged electors January 2017 for Trump, who now says anybody who challenged electors four years later committed some kind of crime, but he wants to get rid of the Electoral College anyway. Here it is. I mean, my very first bill I introduced as a state senator in Maryland was for the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Um, So, again, I speak only for myself here um, and, uh, you know, totally apart from all of this, I've taken a position that, the Electoral College is an undemocratic relic of the early Constitution, just like uh, the state legislature's selection of U.S. senators, which is something we got rid of in uh, 1913 with the 17th Amendment, just like the exclusion of women from voting, which we got rid of um, in 1920 in the 19th Amendment. So, um, you know, we didn't start out with Lincoln's beautiful vision of government of the people, by the people, for the people. We started out as a slave republic of white male property owners, but it's been through social and historical and political struggle that we've opened America up. But we do still have what I think are some obsolescent uh political institutions in the country and certainly some obsolescent political practices. Um, those are things that I think we need to address, whether it's in this context or another context. I don't know. We'll have to see and engage in that conversation. And, you know, I'm not somebody afraid of conversation and compromise. That's why I'm in politics. But I think we need to be honest about um, you know, where our political institutions are and to what extent they are interfering with real democracy in America and becoming a problem for us. I mean, certainly, um, you know, January the 6th uh, is a day that uh, one of my colleagues in the Rules Committee, uh, Ed Perlmutter from Colorado, said that used to be a, a day where the Electoral College votes would come in, the certificates of ascertainment from the governors, and it would be a day of celebration. It would take 15 or 20 minutes to receive all of them, and then it would be bipartisan drinking on Capitol Hill. You know, seven people lost their lives either on that day or in the immediate aftermath. Bald-faced liar. Bald-faced liar. Four people, all Trump supporters, lost their lives that day. Bald-faced liar. And again, he's acting like he never did what he's got a problem with other people doing now. Know what I'm saying? 
I got to tell you. I got to tell you. By the, by the way, they, the audio is from the Washington Post. The great Julie Kelly again says, so Jamie Raskin's logic, interfering in the certification of the Electoral College vote is tantamount to treason, but let's abolish the Electoral College because of democracy and whatnot. Right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to believe here? <sighs> it's amazing, isn't it? Now, the great Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E, the great Steve Dace, over the blaze, said it's really simple, folks. It's just not simple for some of you to accept it. The reason Republicans conspired to have your Second Amendment rights taken away, provided they call you crazy, is because most Republicans also think you're crazy. Repeat after me. The GOP hates its base. If y'all don't get that yet, I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. The GOP hates its base. Again, if y'all don't understand that yet, I I don't know what to tell you. The great Jack Posobiec over at Human Events asked the question, has any elected Democrat condemned the assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh? Seriously asking. Well, how many elected Republicans have, have condemned it? I mean, while we're at it, while we're at it, The great Daniel Horowitz, senior editor at The Blaze, says the narrative is only about January 6th and guns because Republicans don't want it to be about Pfizer shooting up babies. Oh, yes. The FDA now has approved the vaccine for kids under five years old. Bet you didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that, did you? Horowitz also says the shots have now been conclusively proven to be negatively effective and extremely dangerous. Just a debate over how much at this point. Yet name me the number of Republicans who have spoken out against FDA approving them for babies this week. Haven't heard any. Have you? No, I didn't think so. Let me go back to... uh, John Cornyn for just a second, especially since Texas is our number two state when it comes to uh, downloads of the Doc Washburn podcast. Again, the great Sean Davis of the Federalist, Senator John Cornyn's response to the elementary school attack at Uvalde, Texas, was first to praise the corrupt, cowardly, police who did nothing and then lied about it while kids were being killed and secondly to crack down on your right to defend yourself and your family one response here says how he has represented texas for so long is unfathomable 
unfathomable. No, it's not unfathomable. It's easily to fathom. The overwhelming majority of people who vote don't pay attention. They recognize the name. They see he has Republican by his name. Must be good. Must be good. Now again, journalist Paul Sperry reminds us, flashback on his first day in office, Joe Biden declared a war on energy, banning oil and gas leases in the Alaskan refuge, withdrawing offshore areas in the Arctic waters and the Bering Sea from oil and gas drilling, and revoked a key permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. What have Republicans done about that? Much of anything? Sure don't look like it. Sure don't look like it. Now, Rasmussen reports has a new poll out about the top voter midterm issues versus the top midterm issues with legacy media. What a disconnect. What a disconnect. All right, so the top six issues with all U.S. likely voters. Number one, inflation. 87% of U.S. likely voters concerned, 60% very concerned. Number two, election integrity. 83% likely voters concerned, 61% very concerned. Number three, Violent crime, 83% likely voters concerned, 51% very concerned. Number four, rising gas prices, 82% likely voters concerned, 60% very concerned. Number five, illegal immigration, 77% likely voters concerned, 50% very concerned. Number six, school issues, 76% likely voters concerned, 58% very concerned. All right, now. Rasmussen reports taking a look at U.S. legacy media top midterm issues. Number one, abortion rights. 63% of legacy media concerned, 42% very concerned. Number two, capital riot investigation. 59% legacy media uh, concerned or say it's important. 43% say very important. Number three, COVID-19. 57%. Legacy media concerned, 22% very concerned. Number four, climate change, 54% concerned, 32% very concerned. LGBTQ issues, 42% U.S. legacy media support, 23% strongly support. Number six, Ukraine. Which do you consider more important to America's national interests? 36% of legacy media says defending the Ukraine against Russian invasion. 53% say defending the U.S. southern border against illegal immigration. So there is the disparity between our legacy media and average voters. I mean, they're in a bubble, y'all. The great Melissa McKenzie 
who works with the American Spectator, says this says it all. It also demonstrates a couple of realities. Number one, journalists make so much money and live in exclusive places that real people issues don't affect them. Number two, and she's talking about national journalists, not the local reporter at your local paper. Two, journalists are less likely to have families and children. And three, journalists don't own businesses. There you go, y'all. There you go. Again, if I may, the Republican politicians, by and large, hate their base voters. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, the head of the Arkansas Republican Party, John L., we like to call her, said she trusts Asa Hutchinson's, she she respects his, his opinion, that is, respects his opinion. She was being asked uh, by a local journalist in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, about seven months ago when Asa was expressing his reservations with the new redistricting map. Well, I respect his opinion. This is after he voted to veto a bill. Voted to veto a bill to outlaw castrating children. By the way, I don't know if you heard about this. Um, Pro-abortion activists shut down streets near the Supreme Court this morning. That sounds kind of insurrectionist to me. So the FBI going to arrest these people? Is Biden's Justice Department going to hold them incommunicado in federal prisons for over a year? Kind of doubt it. Fox News says, Attorney General Merrick Garland under growing pressure to enforce federal law prohibiting picketing outside justice homes. Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana said, the law is crystal clear. Protesting at the home of a Supreme Court justice is illegal. The Biden administration's refusal to enforce the law is a direct endorsement of this behavior. It certainly is. It certainly is. Now, I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, Stephen Chung, who used to be a White House special assistant to President Trump, has goods on this uh, January 6th show trial committee. They spent over $2.5 million in taxpayer funds for their so-called investigation. Know where that money has gone? Lining the pockets of their staff. A whole bunch of whom are being paid over $15,000 a month. A lot more being paid over 14000 a month. A lot more being paid over 12000 a month. It's... uh. It's hideous. It's grotesque. But that's the way they roll. That's the way they roll. Now, Liz Cheney, 
Did you hear what Liz Cheney said, said about the 2,000 mules? It is. Donald Trump now, quote, clings to more fantastical theories, such as Dinesh D'Souza's debunked 2,000 mules, even as recounts in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin confirm Trump lost. No, they didn't. But my buddy Todd Starnes, great syndicated conservative radio talk show host, said, hey, Liz Cheney, if you really believe 2,000 Mules has been debunked, what harm is there in bringing Dinesh D'Souza to testify before you and your fellow Democrats? Thank you, Todd. Good point. Chris Steyerwalt, formerly, formerly with Fox News, had an interesting admission in his testimony to the January 6th show trial commission Monday morning. I mean, I guess there, you could. You, it's always possible that you could have, you know, uh, a truckload of ballots be found somewhere, I suppose. Really? After his testimony, which he was thanked for by the Democrats on the committee, he winked at them, smiled and winked. Huh. How about them apples? How about them apples? By the way, speaking of the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice, which we were, uh, Benny Johnson, the great Benny Johnson, journalist over at Turning Point USA and host of Benny Report on Newsmax, reminds us Joe Biden still has not condemned it. wonder why. Why might, why might that be? Kid Rock, country rock entertainer, out there on Twitter says, domestic oil is the new ivermectin. You can't have it because it would resolve the crisis they need you to go through. Yep. No question about it. No question about it. Politico says... The Supreme Court is expected to issue a ruling this month hobbling the Biden administration's efforts to rein in climate change, which, of course, is a myth and doesn't exist. But the, well, the climate's been changing ever since God created the world. But its impact, the impact of the Supreme Court's ruling, could weaken the executive branch's power to oversee wide swaths of American life. Good! That'd be a good thing. That'd be a great thing. Because they don't have the constitutional authority to do that. So I hope the Supreme Court does do that. Yeah. Yeah. The great Murray Rothbard over at Twitter says inflation is the highest it's been in over 40 years. The stock market has officially entered a bear market. Unemployment claims are on the rise and gas prices are above $5 nationally for the first time ever. What are our politicians doing? Well, bragging about their $90,000 electric cars, acting out their latest Hollywood script, the January 6th hearings, trying to restrict your right to self-defense, laundering $40 billion to their puppet regime in Ukraine, getting their husbands out of DUIs, Pelosi, and promoting drag queen story hour. Worthless crooks. Worthless crooks. Yep. 
Look, even liberal law professor Jonathan Turley on Twitter saying, Chairman Thompson, Benny Thompson, Mississippi, hit a fairly ironic note in his opening statement when he said that you have to accept the results of elections if you respect democracy. Thompson used this same law in 04 to challenge the certification of President George W. Bush. Notably, Representative Jamie Raskin also used this law to challenge the certification of President Trump. The committee is calling witnesses to show that the election was lost. The use of this federal law is not itself a crime. Indeed, these committee members have used the same law to make out a criminal charge requires more than rehashing the big lie narrative. While there may be foundational witnesses, that nexus has not been made despite pre-hearing promotions. That is why many of us are looking for witnesses who can make such a case. It has to be more than plotting to challenge certification. Not long after the election, I wrote that such Death Star strategy is possible, and the federal law has been previously used by Democrats. By Democrats. How about them apples? Now, I got a little something-something for uh, my Georgia listeners about one of their U.S. senators coming up. But before I get to that, Robert J. O'Neill, the guy who took out Osama bin Laden, said, I'm going to watch the hearing about the 13 service members who were murdered during our botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Oh, wait, that's right. There won't be one. There won't be one. Somebody said, or the ones still over there or the $7 billion worth of military equipment we left for the Taliban. I think there's a lot more than that. Philip Klein, former Attorney General of Kansas, director of the Amistad Project over the Thomas More Legal Society and professor at Liberty University, says the 2020 election was the most lawless in American history and the failure of state governments to sub, to adequately address the public's underlying concerns about that election has destroyed public confidence in the democratic process. Yup. Yep. The first response says, do not excuse the failure of the U.S. Supreme Court refusing to hear Texas versus Pennsylvania. That would have solved many election problems immediately. It was an historic mistake of epic proportions. They owe the public an explanation of why Texas had no standing in that case. Yes, seven to two. U.S. Constitution says if a state sues another state or other states, it shall be heard in the U.S. Supreme Court, period. The only Supreme Court justices willing to hear the case were Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. Everybody else said, we don't care what the Constitution says. We're not going to hear it. We're not going to hear it. All right. There's a uh, parent of a high school kid in the Houston Independent School District who alleged at a meeting last week that a teacher took his underage son to a drag show with a sex offender, and the school allegedly did nothing. And... 
it is my duty to play the 42 seconds of what this dad said. He has a thick Hispanic accent, so I hope you can make out what he's saying here. My son attended Sam Houston MSTC. His teacher, Mr. Patrick Pitler, he was his chemistry teacher. He was also a writer for About Magazine and LGBTQ Magazine. He published an uh, article with a lot of students uh, without authorization. He recruited my son. He also took my son to a drag show when he was underage. And, uh, it was really bad. It was a really bad experience. He also put him next to this uh, sex offender. He was out there with my son. There's a lot of stuff that, that nothing got done. I have a lot of info, a lot of videos, text messages. Police uh, HSD has a lot of messages. And he plays some of the video. And it was horrifying. Horrifying. Outrageous. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas says, I am directing the Texas Education Agency to investigate this matter. Well, um, okay, Governor, but will they do anything? That's, that's all I'm asking. Will they do anything? You know? Now, again, I uh, I do have coming up something for our listeners in Georgia about um, one of your U.S. senators and more about the, uh, the red flag laws. I mean, there's, um, there's a lot to talk about here today. A lot to talk about. Ben Shapiro also in the news. Some good, some bad. Yes, indeed. The Doc Washburn Show continues Um, right here. Right here. More coming up straight ahead. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton, make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. 
Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thank you once again to our advertisers, including our good friends, Drs. J.R., and Tanya Crabtree at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, and my good buddy and attorney, Justin Menton, the attorney. Menton in Benton, M-I-N-T-O-N, in Benton, Arkansas. All right, now, that having been said, there's so much more to get to here. Uh, Ben Shapiro at DailyWire.com. This dropped over the weekend. Fox News highlighted the story Friday of a biological girl whose family encouraged her to identify as a boy as part of its America Together LGBTQ Plus Pride Month series. The video would be absolute despicable, insane lunacy if I saw it on CNN or MSNBC. To see it on Fox News is a complete betrayal of anything remotely resembling conservatism or decency. As the great Michael Knowles said, call me old-fashioned, but I prefer when my conservative news outlets don't encourage parents to trans their little children. Every element of this video is propagandistic, dangerous garbage. The report states that this biologically female child was choosing her gender before she could even speak. That is madness. The report further states that Ryland's parents began social transition at the age of five. This is child abuse. The vast majority of children who display signs of gender dysphoria desist over time. The report is absolute horrifying propaganda, We have mom citing her Christian faith, so-called, to justify the perversion of biological identity. We have the radical gender theory activist Trevor Project stats claiming that childhood transition is the only way to prevent suicide. The quote from these parents, I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. 
is, again, propagandistic sloganeering. There is no credible evidence that transition alleviates suicidal ideation among children who identify as LGBTQ+. We have Dad talking about living authentically by hormonally, by hormonally transitioning a female child, a transition that, if continued, will result in biological sterilization and or breast and genital mutilating surgery. This family became famous in 2014 when Ryland, now 14, was just six years old. Mom wrote a book about her own heroism. This is not about the children. This is about pushing a gender theory that victimizes small children. And this is happening on Fox News where the family is praised for what they call its extraordinary courage in the face of the politicization of transgender issues. The reporter says people are afraid of what they do not understand. Brian Yenis, by the way, the reporter. L-L-E-N-A-S. But we do understand the agenda. We understand that this is propaganda on behalf of the destruction of children, and it is vile. Fox News is too important to conservatives to be weaponized on behalf of the most radical leftist propaganda imaginable, propaganda that aims directly at the mental and physical health of children. The company should terminate whoever is responsible for the this agitprop abomination. Well, Ben, 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 Ben. Apparently, you don't understand what's going on here, Ben. Rupert Murdoch no longer runs the show, Ben. His sons do, Ben. And when Fox News helped Biden and company steal the election from Trump, when Fox News called it for Biden the Saturday morning after Election Day 2020, before CNN or MSNBC did, one of Rupert Murdoch's daughters-in-law went on Twitter and said, We did it! So, Ben, if this is your first inkling that Fox News is intentionally going to the left and about the only oasis left is Tucker Carlson, I don't know what to tell you, bro. They're not going to fire anybody over this. They're probably going to give them a raise. Dana Perino herself was the one who introduced the segment. She not only has her own show, she's on The Five, where they pretend she's a conservative. Know what I'm saying? There are things that Ben gets and there are things that Ben doesn't get. Know what I'm saying? I mean, thanks for standing up against the transgender thing, Ben, but we have other fish to fry, right? And I'll tell you some of them. So... Back in October 2019, a lib on Twitter said Ben Shapiro warns that if politicians try to mandate LGBTQ indoctrination at all schools, then he will pick up a gun. Further adding, Beto O'Rourke does not get to raise my child, and if he tries, I'll meet him at the door with a gun. So Representative Eric Swalwell, the guy who uh, had the Chinese spy girlfriend, is on Twitter now saying, please tell me this lunatic does not own a gun. Reason 1578, America needs red flag laws. So Ben Shapiro says, I am not in principle opposed to red flag laws, but when sitting congresspeople who screw Chinese spies suggest your right to self-defense should be removed because you oppose his political agenda, that undermines the trust necessary 
necessary to support such laws. Talking about red flag laws now. All right. I got a guy over on Twitter I follow. He follows me, Andrew Branca, an attorney, specializes in self-defense law. He says, how you know that someone who screeches every day about having the moral high ground actually lacks any core principles regarding due process of law and constitutional civil rights. Well, I'll tell you how. And Ben Shapiro says, I'm not in principle opposed to red flag laws. That means you don't really have any core principles regarding due process of law and constitutional civil rights. Good work, Ben. Excellent job. Now, one of those bots over there on Twitter responds, isn't the whole idea of a red flag law that you get due process for the temporary suspension of your constitutional right? Also known as you can defend yourself before they just show up and seize your guns. No, no. Here's the answer. The exact opposite. They kick your door in, take your property, and then issue a, issue you a notice that you will have to appear without telling you why. Then, even if you're innocent, you have to pay to get what was stolen from you back. Got it? Also, because you're alleged to be dangerous, if you spend even a moment trying to determine whether the people busting in are home invaders or state agents, you stand a good chance of being killed for not being compliant. Also, any dogs will definitely be shot. But but Ben Shapiro is uh, not in principle opposed to red flag laws. Hey, all my Arkansas listeners, Tom Cotton, your U.S. senator, isn't either. No, he's fine with it. If states want to pass red flag laws, he's fine with it. Just fine. No problem. Now, speaking of the Second Amendment, guess what they don't have up in Canada? Did you hear their dictator up there, Trudeau, what he said? And there are debates, and we have a, a, a culture where the difference is guns can be used for hunting or for sport shooting in Canada, and there's lots of gun owners, and they're mostly law-respecting and, and, and law-abiding, but you can't use a gun for self-protection in Canada. That's not a right that you have in the Constitution or anywhere else. If you try and buy a gun, you say it's for self-protection. No, you don't get that. You get it for hunting. You can get it for sport shooting. You can take it to the range. Uh, no problem, as long as you go through our rigorous background check. But there's a difference around the culture. And one of the things that we're seeing with the debate in the states is you get more and more of the American-style, you know, right-to-carry, self-defense arguments filtering up through through the, uh, you know, the, the usual more right-wing communications channels. Yeah. Guess what's going to go up in Canada? Gun violence. As the great Roberto... Wackerel Cruz says over on Twitter, criminals could potentially harm you if you're Canadian and your family with illegal guns. But you, law-abiding citizen, do not have the right to defend yourself with a legal gun in Canada. Yeah. Guess what's going to continue to go up in Canada? Gun violence. John Cardillo says January 6th defendants who were invited into the Capitol, have been tortured and solitary for over a year on minor trespassing charges 
You're delusional. If you trust judges to fairly administer red flag laws, these lunatic leftist activists are going to use them to gut the Second Amendment. And you know what? That's just fine. With Republican leadership in the U.S. Senate, that's just fine. The way they worked it, the Republicans are going along with the Democrats so there won't be a filibuster on the red flag laws. Four of them retiring this year. Five of them not up for election until 2026. And one of them, Mitt Romney, up for re-election in four years, and he'll probably get re-elected because he's a Mormon in Utah. There you go. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Hey, you remember uh, Rob Schneider, comedian on Saturday Night Live? Making copies. Funny guy. He was on Twitter this morning saying nothing to worry about. Just young, healthy people suddenly having facial paralysis and blood clots move along and stop thinking about asking any questions. Yeah. How about them apples? Um, this Justin Bieber guy, right? Know what I'm talking about? Justin Bieber, the guy who has this uh, Ramsey Hunt syndrome now? After not only getting vaccinated, but uh, saying you can't come to my show unless you're vaccinated. And, and, and his wife had a mini-stroke after she was vaccinated. Steve Kershaw, Substack, new article says, why I'm 99% certain that Justin Bieber's facial paralysis was caused by the COVID vaccine. SteveKirsch.substack.com. Last name is spelled K-I-R-S-C-H. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, there's so much going on. Why haven't we had a congressional committee looking into the uh, the 2020 riots? Have we just forgotten all about that? That down the memory hole? The great independent journalist Andy Ngo, NGO, says flashback. In May 2020, mobs of far-left rioters tried to storm the White House. They were repelled by police who were assaulted and hit with projectiles. Democrats and leftists condemned law enforcement at the time for stopping the rioters. More May 2020 flashbacks. At night, the far-left rioters surrounded the White House and tried tearing apart the protective barriers so they could storm the building. Secret Service and law enforcement were injured by the violent extremists. The far-left rioters tore apart the barrier outside the White House piece by piece in an attempt to storm the building and burn it down. Many in the mob called for the president to be lynched. A Secret Service officer suffered a head injury 
After being assaulted by Black Lives Matter and far-left rioters trying to storm the White House, dozens of other Secret Service agents were injured as well. In addition to tearing down the barriers outside the White House and assaulting Secret Service and law enforcement, the far-left rioters carried out an arson attack. They wanted to storm the building in an uprising against the president. Now, who's being held legally accountable for that? Anybody? Anybody? I don't think so. The great rising serpent. Over at um, Twitter says, Isn't it fascinating how Republicans took less than three weeks to agree with Democrats on gun control? But but have just been sitting around for years, not doing anything about securing the border, getting January 6th protesters released, and increasing domestic oil production. Yep, they do what matters to them. They do what matters to them. Kurt Schlichter, the great Kurt Schlichter, retired colonel, says, Trust judges with a new tool to take your constitutional rights because they will protect them just as well as they protected the rights of the January 6th political prisoners. Yeah, some, some not quite adding up there. I still got something coming up about your, uh, for my Georgia listeners, your U.S. Senator over there, Raphael Warnock. But um, in the meantime, it's one of those uh, say his name deals. Say his name. R.I.P. Ethan Liming. Class of 2023, Firestone High School, Boys Varsity Football, Akron, Ohio. That was at the high, high school that's funded by LeBron James. I don't think LeBron said anything about this guy getting murdered. Liming, a 17-year-old, soon to be senior at Firestone Community Center, was found dead near the basketball court at the I Promise School on West Market Street, Akron, around 10.45 p.m. back on June 2nd. Investigators believe he and others became involved in an altercation after one group of individuals fired a splat-R ball gun at another group playing basketball, and that Ethan was knocked unconscious and brutally assaulted in the scuffle. Ethan's dad, Bill Liming, told 3 News, Akron, my son died because of a toy and just going goofing around as a teenager. The Splat-R ball SRB-400 is a battery-powered water gel gun that comes with a 400-round magazine. Set in semi-auto or full-auto mode and start the fun. Maximum range, 200 feet. Um, so, see, you haven't heard about this guy. There's not a national outcry about this guy being murdered, being beat to death, even though the three suspects have been apprehended because Ethan happens to be white and the suspects happen to be black. So it doesn't fit the narrative of the mainstream media that wants folk to hate each other because of their ethnicity. The mainstream media, which will be happy to let you know about any and all criminals who happen to be black, who are shot by white police, whether the police are in the wrong or in the right. And, you know, sometimes they are in the wrong. 
that shooting of that uh, that gentleman, the last name Ford, North Charleston, South Carolina, a few years ago. See, they don't want you to know the North North Charleston, South Carolina police arrested their own officer before they even knew there was video. You know? I'm just saying. No, 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 no. I, I, I do not think Philando Castile's the cop who shot him did the right thing. I think it's outrageous. He wasn't found guilty of at least manslaughter, if not murder. But most of these cases, like, well, most of these cases, Jacob Blake, the gentle giant, Michael Brown, you go on and on and on. They brought it on themselves. It's case-by-case basis. But folk want to make you out to be a racist if you're not completely down with a struggle, you know. If you're not completely down with seeing everything through racist eyes. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Feds arrest three men. Pardon me. UK Daily Mail has it. U.S. Marshals arrest three men, 19, 20, and 21, over death of boy, 17, who was beaten to death in a parking lot of LeBron James Founded High School in Ohio, 17-year-old Ethan Liming. Beaten to death on June 2nd outside of Ohio High School. 20-year-old Deshaun Stafford, 19-year-old Tyler Stafford, and 21-year-old Donovan Jones were arrested over the weekend in their Akron homes. The teen's death stemmed from an altercation that happened on the basketball court at a LeBron James-founded I Promise High School in Akron. Teens in the victim's vehicle were shooting splatter ball, water bead blaster, and then appeared to approach another group on the basketball court at the school. An altercation broke out, and the teens fired the soft gel gun at the group. LeBron James, who founded the school, asked his 51 million followers on Twitter to, quote, pray for our community. Okay. So he did actually say something. Well, good. Maybe uh, there's an old saying. Preachers have maybe uh, put some shoe leather on that on those prayers, uh, King James. You know, yeah, we need to pray, but need to do more than just that. You haven't heard about this before, have you? <sighs> yeah, sorry about that, but again. I believe it's my duty to share it with you. Absolutely. It is my duty to share it with you. Now, before I forget, one of my favorite things to say on the Doc Washburn Show. Hit it, Brian. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership. In the middle of the USA. It believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. The way you want to, online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the 48th continental United States. Today's two of the day. The great Pat, Pat Sajak out there on Twitter saying, I'm hoping this tweet will help raise awareness. It's really not up to me to decide what you need to be more aware of, but figure that out for yourself and then raise it. My work here is done. <laughs> That's great, Pat. I appreciate it. Apparently, uh, right now we're supposed to have uh, awareness of Pride Month, or is it Ukraine? I don't know. Ukraine seems to be going to the back burner. But fortunately, Ukraine at least um, apparently cured COVID. Did you know that? Because a lot of those folks that um, had the masks on, on their social media, Accounts, once Ukraine became a thing, they got rid of the pictures of them with the masks on and started having pictures of the Ukraine flag. I'm down with Ukraine, you know what I'm saying? So we used to joke about COVID curing the flu because, like, nobody died of the flu when the COVID kicked down, kicked in, you know? But um, but then everybody started kind of putting COVID on the back burner when Ukraine kicked in. Just so you know. I've been having a little bit of audio problems today. Let me see if I can uh, play, play a little bit more for you. It's from uh, CBS News. The CDC shows boosted Americans are catching COVID at double the rate of non-boosted. And CBS News actually saying this? Okay, it does not look like I'm going to be able to play that. And I apologize for that. I guess we... I guess we need to get to... um, Raphael Warnock, U.S. Senator from Georgia, okay? Alana Goodman, senior investigative reporter of the Washington Free Beacon, out there this morning saying, Senator Warnock has repeatedly cited his own brother's drug conviction as an example of systematic racism in the justice system. All right. She says, I got the court records, and they tell a different story. Reverend U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat, Georgia, 
his brother was a crooked cop with the Savannah, Georgia Police Department who was convicted of aiding a cocaine trafficking operation. Back in 1997, he was busted by the FBI under a sting called Operation Broken Oath. In an FBI recording, Warnock's brother threatened a black drug dealer who didn't pay him enough. Quote, If I knowed I was blanking with a blank off the corner who can't afford to pay me no more than $1,500, his black blank would be in prison. Yet Warnock has described his brother as a victim of the so-called pandemic of racism and compared him to black victims of police shootings. The court records conflict with Warnock's accounts, which omit that his brother was a police officer and portray him as a victim of law enforcement corruption rather than a participant in it. For my uh, Georgia listeners there. Oh, by the way, um, HHS Secretary Javier Becerra tested positive for COVID-19 today, less than a month since he previously contracted the virus. Good thing he's vaccinated and boosted. You know, I was planning on uh, making fun of uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson today of Rhino of Arkansas for having a little conniption fit about uh, Donald Trump, but um, I guess Asa just wasn't quite important enough to make it on today's podcast. Maybe next time, Hazel. Maybe next time. You've been listening to episode 172 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, Directed by Mick Messy, this has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. Bound. that's the way it is. Monday, June 13th. 2022.